I'm Julie Hyde, and I believe you can't be a leader of others until you are a leader of self. It all starts with leading you. So if you are ready to be the best leader that you can be, you're in the right place. I'll be chatting to a diverse range of leaders who will spill the beans on their leadership, how they changed the game, insights into their mindset, and how they built the courage and resilience to be a modern leader with impact. Let's get into it. With me today is Ella Zhang, and she is a change maker and executive coach. And she has just released her book called Upgrade How to Outperform Your Default Self to Gain Your Superpowers, which sounds fantastic. So, welcome, Ella. Thank you very much. Thank you, Julie, for having me here. Oh, it's my pleasure. And you are talking my language, ladies. So (laughs) I'm very um, intrigued about your book and really looking forward to jumping into this. So to start off with, can you please let our listeners know what you mean by outperforming your default self? Okay. When I'm working with the corporate, I'm working on the side of the learning development and organizational development. So basically for the people who are not very familiar with this kind of job, my daily task is to identify the gaps of the capabilities in the people and also the business performance outcome. Then we need to create solutions to minimize the gap or close the gap, which means we need to develop employees to ensure they can tap into their potentials And the output of their work can also contribute to the business. So I've been working in that field for over a decade. One thing I noticed, it's not like we do not have smart people. Most of the time, I met very smart, hardworking employees and managers and leaders. But if they don't have this kind of self-awareness, to know their own patterns of thinking, own patterns of behaving, own patterns of acting, they are subtarge their ability to lead effectively. So when I think about how to write this book, to share with the readers of the tools, the practice, the theories that we have been using in the workplace to enable individual to grow, the first thing I thought I need to touch on is we all have our own package. We all build up our habitual pattern of perceiving, thinking, feeling, acting. So if we do not have clarity about our own patterns, it is almost impossible for anyone else to put forward an intervention for this person to grow and change. That's why in lots of organization training programs, leadership programs, we share lots of fancy ideas. We share lots of models and the theories and the tools. So in the moment, people feel wonderful. This is something I can use. But then you realize the change, that kind of change is a short-lived. It's never sustainably change the behaviors. The reason of that is because, I guess, there's always a term in our field, 
faking it before we making it, right? So we tend to get a lot of information. We do lots of learning outside in. We hope that we mimic how others get to their success. Then we can also get the similar result. But in this process, we missing one thing that is super important: is we miss the opportunity to understand how does my behavior shaped. So we experience our current reality, our current way of doing our work in the workplace. But how do we build up this pattern of working in the first place? So if we do not understand what happened in the past. What is my pattern? We cannot never grow ourselves into the space. Say, how can I be better? Because we do not know, even know where we should adjust and change and upgrade. So when I think about what is the superpower that we needed for the leaders, so these days my work involves of supporting lots of government agencies and the private companies to build leadership capability framework. So we need to think about in whatever kind of a context this person need to play. Then what are the building blocks of the capability to allow this person to really utilize their education, their knowledge, their aspiration, so they can perform their best. So come down to a few things. So for example, do we? Have clarities about ourselves. This involves: Do we have the clarities about how do I make decisions in this situation? Do I have a clarity about the impact of my choices of decisions? Right. The other things related when we when I make decisions because usually the leaders, the higher they get, their decision has much bigger impact, not just on themselves, on the people around them. In the societies, so do we have clarity about how my tiny choice of the behaviors, of the actions, of the decisions that I make have wide connections that are beyond what I can see at this moment in my role? I also met lots of leaders. They are hardworking, very driven. But they feel extremely challenged to lead changes that they suppose to lead. One thing what I discovered is usually leaders in that space when they suppose to lead a tr- significant transformation for the business, but they feel they facing enormous resistance from their team. Usually because we missing the emotional connections over there. But for lots of even leaders. Do we really taking care of our emotions? Do we have we built up this intimate relationship with our emotions? If we haven't, it's almost impossible for us to bond with others on the emotional level. And also, I witnessed lots of hardworking leaders. They struggle with the stress. They struggle with their mental well-beings. They struggle with their physical well-beings. So, in my view. The brain is a part of the body. So if we call ourselves a knowledge worker, then probably we have to pay attention to our factory, our whole body. How this body create the energies to allow us to focus, to be sharp, to have the clarities, and to have the stamina to be able to be resilient in this fast-changing environment. Yeah, and resilience is so so important. So you've explained that incredibly well because、um, 
So what I'm hearing is it's very much about self-awareness and really understanding how you tend to behave in certain situations and understanding the impact it has. And then you're providing tools and strategies for people to then improve or grow their default response to get better outcomes because you're right, sometimes leaders definitely don't understand the impact that they have on others. And having a corporate background, (laughs) I have certainly seen many leaders who are very intelligent, but they're not emotionally intelligent and (laughs) their results are incredibly different. Yeah. So you mentioned about, you know, really understanding your mindset and really having that mind-body connection. So then what is the link between self-care and success? Wow, I love that question. We, when we think about the self-care, I think even these days when we're talking about the self-care, majority of the leaders in the corporate setting will consider, oh, it's about your physical health. But in my book, I think what I mentioned more is it's beyond that. It's beyond that you just need to make your health, physical body healthy. That's the foundation because when you don't have that, there's no chance for you to really become the leader to lead sustainable changes to make a huge impact in the society you want to make. But beyond that, it's also about how much care I give to myself so I know what kind of information, what kind of a way of interpretation of the situation I should adopt. It also involves how do I speak to myself when I feel successful, when I feel I'm in the dark road, when I feel a little bit stuck, when I feel challenged and struggled, how do I speak to myself? So because how do we speak my, ourselves shows our mental process, how do we interpret a situation? And from neuroscience point of view, human brain, it keeps changing all the time. And how these changes happen, it all depends on where do we put our attention on, how do we experience the situation, and how do we interpret, analyze the situation. So that building up the neural pathways that shapes the different kind of structures in your brain and have the direct impact on our mindset. And when I'm talking about self-care, one thing in my book I repeatedly talking about is, can we utilize the opportunity when we interact with others and when we have different kind of experience, we use those experience, use those events, use those situations as the opportunity to understand ourselves. So we know why we make a certain choices. So we understand our values. We understand our beliefs and the principles. So this will help us to be more authentic and probably also this is the leadership image we're building up because one thing I articulate at the very first part of my book is when we're talking about a success, personally, I have no interest in those short-lived success. 
I prefer people these days when they think about a success is the long term sustainable. So what is the long term and the sustainable? It's all about habits. Something we do repeatedly, consistently, regularly enough to deliver the outcome that we would love to have. So it's not one off events. So that is the habits. When I'm talking about in my book, outperform your default self, is we need to understand what is my default self? How do I interact with the outside world at the moment? Then which part I can adjust and upgrade so I can build new habits, new habits of the way of thinking and the perceiving and the behaving and the leading that can deliver the success as a byproduct. So we don't have to chasing for whatever is shining outside. We just focus on how can I upgrade my way of being here. Then I can get the result I wanted. I love that how you've described the self-care because it's very much about connecting back to your values, understanding the image that you're creating and then so similar to how we upgrade our phone and, you know, our computer to make sure that it operates at its optimum level so we can do <laughs> the exact same thing. So then are you able to share, say, three, you know, ways that a leader might start to do this? Because sometimes it can be quite confronting for people when they're looking at themselves in the mirror and thinking, okay, so how do I operate? They might not like things that they see. What are three ways or three places to start that you suggest? Wonderful. I I love to make it very, very simple because the three things, the three tips I love to share here is usually the tip homework I give to my coaching clients. Great. We love homework. (laughs) The very first one is let's start to pay attention to our thoughts because how we react to others, how we make decisions, there's a lot of thoughts going through, but most of the time those thoughts are fleeting thoughts. So let's build some habits to capture them. So in some challenging moments, do you hear what kind of inner dialogue that you had with yourself? And uh, do you have a habit currently just uh, every week or every day block some time on your busy schedule and the calendar to save 10 minutes or 15 minutes, no distraction at all. I just be there with myself so I can start to notice what I'm thinking. What other kind of thoughts pop into my mind? And for some people, if you are king, I always say writing is the best way for us to know ourselves. So would you like to just take a 10 minutes or five minutes a day, write down something, write down some thoughts, write down some your feelings. So there's a right to help you to process what's happening inside of you instead of engage all your five senses with this busy, bustling world. So let's pay attention to your thoughts. The more you can capture your thoughts, the more we have the opportunity to argue, argue with our thoughts. Yeah. So do you encourage people to do that at a particular time of day? And if so, do you then get them to reflect on a situation maybe where they haven't responded 
well. Exactly. And in my book, I call that reverse engineer. So, for example, in the business world, if you haven't achieved the result you wanted or you did achieve the result you wanted, so that's a success, let's reverse engineer. What kind of action you did uh, lead to this outcome that you have? Then move back one more step. What kind of thinking I have before I make those actions? In this way, can also help us to understand oh, what is my thinking, what is my thoughts? Because a lot of people just act automatically. They thought of these ideas just coming to my mind as absolute truths. But most of the time, lots of thoughts in our mind are arguable. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, mostly all of them. <laughs> all right. So tip number two. Tip number two is I love people to start to pay attention to the physical sensations. Like a trigger. <laughs> yes, because in workplace, particularly for those people are highly intelligent on the technical side, lots of feedback I get from the people reporting to them or working with them is I feel they feel, oh, there's a huge war between me and this manager. So where does this war come from? This war usually comes from the leaders who are so focused on the deliverables of the tangible tasks and they put aside or suppress it or hide any kind of emotions because in their beliefs, emotion is something going to make it a troublesome for them to achieve their goals. So they put them somewhere else. But because they do not really pay attention to their emotions, which make it very hard for them to inspire and motivate their people. Because inspiration and motivation, they are all about emotions. So if we do not know how to tap into the wisdom of emotions, it's almost impossible to move us away from being a manager to a leader. So pay attention to the sensations. Particularly, usually, I think, starting from when you when you feel very strong emotions, when you feel very angry, when you feel very frustrated, when, when you feel very, or when you feel very happy. So those very strong emotions, give yourself just a few seconds to pay attention which part of your body you experience it and start to trying to not to give a name to it, just to be with it. And the other sensations that can have is usually when people do lots of exercise, gym sessions, or run marathons, those are the time we also notice a certain part of the body probably react to those exercises more vividly. So those also help us to understand our bodily sensations. What are they? If I feel sore, if I feel pain, Let's do not move my body to get rid of that sore of pain, but can I sit there just to observe a little bit and to see whether the kind of sensation going to evolve or going to disappear? What does that look like? So the more attuned that we are, just make the connections of our mind, the busy mind with our physical body, it gives us the doorway to understand how our emotions happens in us. So this will at least give us the opportunity saying, how can I regulate that? Because in business world, I tend to hear lots of leaders saying, oh, when my employees say this and do that, I just couldn't help myself have this 
reaction to it. The reason we couldn't have helped us to have a certain reaction that we feel regretted about is because we have no idea how these feelings, how these emotions emerge in our bodies. So we miss the precious time to regulate. Yeah. So it's really that mind-body connection. Exactly. So, so if we can, start to pay attention to the physical sensation. Because emotionally, it's pretty much the physiology phenomenon here. So pay attention to that. That gives us the foundation to understand our emotions. And also, the more we understand ourselves, the more we understand others. Great. And number three? Number three is pay attention to breathing, to your breathing. Pay attention to your rhythm of the breathing. Because this is the one thing no matter what's happening in our head, the rhythm of a breathing is the first one. Either we're going to lose it or it's going to break down. So this is the super important part for us to maintain composed, particularly under pressure. Um, I used to work with these leaders when, we, when she first came to my sessions just by sitting next to me. I feel oh, her breathing is very shallow and sharp, just like this. I, so when she talked to me, I said, uh, your breathing make me create this image in my brain that you are drowning. Are you drowning? So if you are not, then this kind of breathing going to make yourself, make your body feels like you are on the survival mode. So this will keep you, if you're breathing this way for many years, it's not harder to predict that your immune system going to shut down and they can easily develop or activate cancering cells in your body. Yeah, right. So that's linked to breathing. It's not a surprise at all. So one, pay attention to the way you breathe. Is it a shallow or it's a deep? Is it a frequent or it's long, a little bit of long and the deep? So one thing I train, I tend to share with my coaching clients is let's remember the most of the time you notice your rhythm of breathing changes, purposefully do few deep breathing because inhale and exhale, they're all related to the nervous system that are relevant to the stress reaction and the relaxation. So for leaders, because our mind are trained to feel excited when there's a stress. We would love to push ourselves, right? So all we need to do consciously is uh, we need to train our body to balance that because it is okay for us to live in a very high stressful environment. It is okay if we know what kind of activities we can blend it in our day to balance that. So we can recover from that high stress. So if we can simply use our breathing techniques to have experienced this high stress and high recover, high stress, high recover, I think we can achieve more than what we can achieve now. You know, I love those tips, Ella. And there's, like you say, they're simple, but it's the simple things done consistently well that makes the biggest difference. So Thank you so much for being part of the Leading You podcast. We all need an upgrade. And on the show notes, I share how to get in touch with you and how people can get a copy of your book. So, Ella, thank you so much. 
Thank you very much, Julie. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it.